Metabilos 2 podcast on the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Episode 2. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I am David. I am Ben. And set us up, Ben. Where are we? Very good. Right. Episode 2, Fit the Second. And our heroes are, um, well, they, they leave one spaceship and um, end up on another one. But first, they have to listen to some pretty bad Vogon poetry. Pretty bad, pretty bad. Yeah. Again, I, I. So okay. Here are some random observations, but I think they make sense. Mm-hmm. So I was looking up Mark Wing Davy. Yep. Who is, of course, in Say Four Beaver Rocks? Of course, he was at Cambridge as well. So like yeah. everybody was at Cambridge, mm-hmm. and then that got me thinking that you know maybe all this literary criticism stuff is just Douglas Adams like, ugh, I did English at Cambridge and they used to make me, you know, <laughs> analyze Anglo-Saxon poetry. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is all about. It could be. I certainly could relate to it having been yeah. an English major in college. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was also... Th- <laughs> okay, this is more random observations. Mm-hmm. Uh, penguins. Mm. So the penguin bit. So Arthur... Oh, oh he's uh, turning into a penguin, right? Starting to penguin. Or no, so it's Ford who's turning into a penguin. I thought it was Arthur who was turning into a penguin. Hmm. Anyway, one of them turns into a penguin. That's got to be where Frobisher comes from, right? Huh, never thought of that. Yeah, it could be the inspiration for Frobisher. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little slower episode this time. It's it's mainly just uh, saying goodbye to the Vogons, the escape from the planet Earth, their late great planet Earth, and then we meet the heart of gold and get introduced to infinite improbability drives and... It's quite the slow piece, actually. I, I was I was surprised by that. Which, what? Did I find it slow? Um, it, it's not it's not slow in dialogue or pacing. It's just not a lot happens. It's no. It's, they, it's I a, guess yeah. It's I mean, a transitory episode. Yeah, because they ha- obviously they have to get off the Vogon ship because mm-hmm. they obviously can't spend the. Un- well, basically they have to start hitchhiking. Is what they do. Yeah. Well, they get rescued from yeah uh, after twenty nine seconds in space. <laughs> and again, I can remember as a kid, I can remember being confused by the um, the concept of the infinite improbability drive. But now I'm older, it's it's a great concept. And I think it's a direct uh, response to things like Star Wars because the, the book says it's none of that messing about in hyperspace. It's it's Adams' solution to traveling about this galaxy traveling about the universe which of course is the problem of every space opera because Mm -hmm. if you do it hard science you know like arthur c Clarke or someone you're basically you're stuck on planet earth and you can never leave Mm -hmm. and so that's that's the kind of core problem of all science fiction is Mm -hmm. how do you get into space absolutely and some social commentary from 1977 78 time frame with the digital watches and i think if Obviously, if Adams was writing this today, it would be all everyone's uh, mobile, everyone's cell phone. iPhones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, I think Adams was writing... Well, I, I don't think Adams would be writing this today because knowing Douglas Adams' attention span, he wouldn't be able to look up from his iPhone, basically. <laughs> He'd be just constantly on Twitter. Hmm. Um, He'd yeah. have a marvelous Twitter feed. He'd have millions he would of have followers. a good Twitter feed. <laughs> it would be good. It would be good. Um uh, the other kind of Doctor Who thing I noticed is surely the um, the the infinite improbability drive generator, you know, with the brownie in motion and cup of tea and all that right. kind of stuff. That's got to be a ripoff of the Doctor's gizmo um, <laughs> at the end of the Time Monster, right? Um, in the Time Monster, or, or perhaps it could just be Adam's obsession with tea too. And he, well, okay, he is a science guy too. He is a science guy. Okay, well, here's here's the thing, right? This is a, again something that really kind of popped into my head, and this is thinking about the kind of English-American um, thing. You see, 
in Britain, like that's not an obsession with tea. Tea is what you drink. <laughs> so the fact that he's not, it's like saying, oh, that's the American obsession with coffee. Mm. Well, yeah, but Americans are obsessed with coffee to a ridiculous extent. Um, <laughs> and we drink tea to the same level. So it's simply, mm -hmm. um, I think if you transposed Adams to the United States, the brownie in motion generator he would have picked would have been a cup of coffee. Yeah, a strong cup of coffee. Strong cup of coffee, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And Arthur Dent would be always looking for the next cup of joe. Exactly, and that would make it tedious. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of kind of random sort of, I don't know, vague British-style anti-Americanism through oh. the whole episode. That's the other thing I kind of wrote down. I mean, you know, the Syrian Cybernetics Corporation, obviously like thinly veiled IBM. Um, you know, the radio announcer guys like an American DJ. Right. Um, Eddie the computer's like an irritating American voice. Oh, um, really? Oh, Eddie. Eddie is what made me love computers like for the oh, really? longest time. <laughs> yeah, Funny, right? I always would have like my startup disc say, hi there, this is Eddie. And I <laughs> always wanted a computerized voice to be like Eddie, not not like Siri or Alexa or anything. Oh, I want, funny. I wanted Eddie. Eddie, who is kind of, uh, hi there, really peppy, and I love Eddie. Eddie is one of my favorite computers of all time. Give me Eddie over Hal any day. Uh, that, uh, that's <laughs> interesting to hear, because again, I again, I sort of, I read it as like, oh yeah, irritating American huh. sound. No. I, At least, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't find it irritating myself. It's hilarious, but I think mm -hmm. that's what they were going for, is like, you know, uh -huh. similarly with the lifts being all Californian and sort of happy, happy with their job. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's, again, that's a direct kind of have a nice day, which is mm -hmm. what British people think Americans say all the time. This, yep. The idea that you're thankful for having a crap job. <laughs> which, of course, in Britain, we hate having crap jobs and we just complain endlessly mm. about any job that we do, to be honest. But mm -hmm. it, it always appears to us <laughs> that Americans love the horrible jobs that they do. Glad to be of service. Glad to be of service. Oh, the kind yeah. of lovely, the kind of sigh of contentment they make when they close. If you had all your computers to be Eddie, I'd have all my doors to be the doors. <laughs> I think they're just they're just hilarious. Well, Eddie is played by David Tate, who I think also did the Vogon Guard at the beginning of the episode, and I think also the lifts. But uh, oh. the other genuine people personality is, of course, Stephen Moore oh. as Marvin, the paranoid android. The lovely Stephen Moore. Late lamented Stephen mm -hmm. Moore, yes. And is this his most famous role, do you think? I mean, he was a name before this. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was very ubiquitous. I mean, he was a sitcom dad, mm -hmm. and he was on commercials all the time. And in fact, Stephen Moore is so much the kind of wallpaper of television and radio <laughs> that I, I'm kind of hard picked to pick out. I mean, obviously, Marvin's his most famous role, but it's right. not his face. But mm -hmm. yeah, he's just all over the place. And mm -hmm. yeah, he was a great... Great stalwart of kind of comedy and comedy drama and regular drama mm -hmm. and everything, basically. Well, he was a theater actor, so he was in the Royal yeah. National Theater, West End, Royal right. Shakespeare Company. So he has that presence, but he does just morose perfectly it's, it's oh yeah he captures it and he's kind of the opposite i guess if if the americans are the self-satisfied doors and lifts then the, the british character i guess with the menial job is stephen moore as marvin who's really a, an intelligent robot but left fetching people from the hold that has a horrible job no that's exactly right and you know when me and my friends my friends and i um would quote hitchhikers to each other by and large we would quote 
Marvin mm-hmm. because Marvin was the character that we kind of identified with the most, mm. basically, <laughs> because he seemed to be the character who had the most depth to him mm-hmm. and was the most underused and the most put upon and, you know, just just had to kind of suck it up. And I think, you know, as a, as a, as a kid, that's what we kind of identified with. Did you relate to like the his catchphrases like life don't talk to me about life or oh god I'm so depressed? Um I think um diodes down all my left side that was a favorite and uh, <laughs> brain the size of a planet was also uh, a favorite. Uh-huh. So um yeah. I could I could yeah. see how a kid would love or a teen would love here I am brain the size of a planet and I have Absolutely. to do this yep. crappy homework or whatever. <laughs> I I've just looked this up because I couldn't remember the title. There's a there's a Vague. Is it hilarious anymore? Anyway, there's a book called One Fat Englishman, hmm. which is by Kingsley Amis, who was like partly a comedy writer and partly a serious writer, but it's one of his comedy books. Mm-hmm. And it's from, I think it was written in the 60s. And it's about an Englishman, um, a quasi-academic who has to spend a year or two at an American university in mm-hmm. California. Mm-hmm. And it's this kind of, it's complete. I mean, it's basically, if, if Douglas Adams hadn't read that, I'd be very surprised because it's all about the difference between, you know, the kind of cheerful, happy, to maybe to English ears, kind of vacuous kind of American lifestyle and right. the kind of morose, overweight, <laughs> depressed English lifestyle. Huh. Cups of tea versus cups of coffee, basically. Yeah. Well, on the flip side of that, though, you have both uh, Zaphod and Ford just trying to out-cool each other and just yeah. just being really mellow and being you know relaxed and chill about everything. And it isn't until Arthur kind of rocks the apple cart <laughs> that uh, Zaphod's true nature of comes through of being a little less uh, ice-cool than he comes across. Right, right, right. And Zaphod is such a great character. Again, oh, I think yes. I think another that's another character we'd quote all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zaphod Beaverbrox. I mean, you know, like I don't know, you guys are so unhip. It's a wonder your bums don't fall off, sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, fifth the fifth. There you go. Um, and again, <laughs> just thinking literary references. I again listening to it, I was reminded there's a there's a character, the series of novels called about the stainless steel rat, who's like a super criminal from the future. Mm-hmm. By Harry Harrison, Slippery mm-hmm. Jim DeGrease. And I and I and again I'd be uh, very surprised if Douglas Adams hadn't read those Harry Harrison books and was kind of in some ways basing that coolness off that character. And that I think that was the huge disappointment to me when they made it into a into a live action TV sitcom, is that, you know, you saw all these characters. And I guess I, I you know, the you know, Arthur Dent and Ford Prefect. I mean, they, basically, they, they all, they, it was the same. Because the radio actors were the, mm-hmm. were, the, were the same. I think they just changed out Trillion. Mm-hmm. But that was a huge disappointment for me. That's why I didn't want to watch it when it was a TV uh-huh. sitcom, because the Zaphod Beeblebrock's character was just like, okay, this is not what I'd imagined Zaphod to look like. Huh, huh. Yeah. The fact that Adams was writing for radio is the whole reason why Zaphod has the three arms and the two heads because you can easily get away with that in radio and then it becomes much harder, especially on a BBC budget. On the th- budget of a mid-80s BBC sitcom, mm-hmm. yeah, like you can't give someone two heads right. and an extra arm. Was it just the look of Mark Wing Davy or, or is just... Yeah, he was just too... Actually, you know, he just didn't look cool. He just, he just didn't look cool, basically. Mm. He looked like some 80s guy who had like a plastic head on his shoulder. Well, who, who did um, you need, Ian McShane? 
Yeah, I think Ian McShane. I mean, someone who looked cooler, basically. I mean, he had uh-huh. a cool voice. I mean, don't don't get me wrong, but right. yeah, we yeah, Ian McShane. We wanted Lovejoy, someone like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. He worked really well for me, but then... Oh, okay. Did they show the live-action sitcom then in, in America? Yeah, in the early 80s. It was on probably right before Doctor Who. Uh, it was oh, it was only okay. like six episodes. They only did the first series on yeah. television with, with Adam's rewrite. We'll get to that later on, but with his yeah. his rewriting of it. So it, it worked for me, I guess. Hmm. Just didn't fit the pictures in my head that mm-hmm. I'd kind of conjured up. Now on, on the radio. Now so. fitting fitting pictures in in my head that uh, Susan Sheridan as Trillian always always was much more sexy to me than uh, Peter Davison's wife uh, Sandra Dickinson. Sandra Dickinson, yeah, as Trillian and a TV. Yeah, she was way too squeaky and too blonde. Um, again, I mean, I think Trillian is a lot cooler in the in the radio version she's a lot more of a kind of sort of sexist ditzy blonde on the tv which mm-hmm. i think is a shame because actually she's actually got kind of a lot i mean she's not she i mean she's she's written as well as someone like douglas adams can write a female character mm-hmm. um, and i think she's written actually pretty well on radio but it didn't really work on the tv for me see i always thought of her on the radio susan sheridan as sort of like ann travers from the web of fear yeah uh, a really smart scientist yep. who uh is now traveling the universe uh, hitched a ride with safod because yeah. she was bored and on the doll queue you know, Ex- unemployed yep. in britain but in the television version i would think Sandra dickinson is more like you said the blonde uh it just was the wrong mental image i had for the scientist yeah just kind of a space blonde you know and i think that's what they were kind of going for it's a sort of you know pulp american style sci-fi shows well you know there's like a a a kind of a squeaky blonde Mm -hmm. um which i think you know really didn't do the trillion character Mm -hmm. a lot of favors much as much as i think as sandra dickinson i think is a good actor but um yeah Mm-hmm. But again, that's the television show. But for the radio, the voices work great. The actors are great. And these are all really crystallizing performances in my mind for how hitchhikers should sound and be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So we don't end it on a cliffhanger really this week. Uh, we just have uh, Zephod getting two really large drinks. <laughs> One for each head. But if we do have Eddie at the end saying that we're coming into orbit around the planet of magrathea yeah so it is trailed a little bit it is trailed Mm -hmm. a little bit that maybe this week's been a bit light on the action Mm -hmm. and um, maybe next week there'll be more of it who knows yep so on to fit the third fit the third all right well thank you for listening to this metabulous 2 bonus i have been so depressed talking to ben and my brain which is literally the size of a planet has been barely stirred by talking to david (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Hi there. Hi there. Yeah, we we should do it next week. I mean, tomorrow, you should, you, you should do the voice of Eddie and I'll do the voice of Marvin. We'll oh, just, there you go. We'll Throughout. do it in, in that character. <laughs> <laughs>